Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Another class act is our next guest on the Bet that is guest line. Mr. Charlie Batch. You remember him playing quarterback for the Lions and the Steelers for a number of years. Charlie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? We're doing good, brother. What's happening with you? Man, not much. You're trying to be like you when I grow up, B. That's oh, all. Oh, man. We all look. are, man. We all <laughs> are. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm trying, I'm trying to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Charlie, you know, you had such an interesting career where you started so many games in Detroit, then you, you eventually get to Pittsburgh, which is Pittsburgh kind of home for you? Is that where you're from? Actually, I'm born and raised here in Pittsburgh, so oh, okay, I really cool. only know two cities, Pittsburgh, and then I went done, obviously, my time up in Detroit, so I only know two cities, Pittsburgh and Detroit. Very cool. Um, you know, with the Lions having this level of success right now, how much are you enjoying it? To be honest with you, it's new to me because this is the first time since I've left Detroit, and I left in 2001, and 2002 was my first year in Pittsburgh. But this is the first year in over 20 years that the Lions have played one week longer than the Steelers. So I never really had to go through this to think about what is going on in Detroit, but I'm super excited for them and their fan base. Man, they have been patient, and, man, they deserve it. Hopefully they can get over the hump this week. Charlie, the big talk in the league now is all about the quarterbacks, and you see Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl in, uh, in L.A., loses it, and then get traded for Stafford, and they switched uh, teams basically. He is now playing a lot better, and I talk a lot about him being in his prime. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, you know, quarterbacks, like when you first get in the league, didn't you really learn the game of football, how things settle down for you? Yeah, a lot of it, you know, of course, him being a Cali guy, you know, I'm assuming he's from out that way. But if all he knows is is California and then you go to that environment, you know, you have a lot of things that are kind of on your shoulders and trying to get over the hump. And, of course, in the manner that he went through, they get rid of you. They win a Super Bowl without you. There's still a lot of things that he has that is kind of lighting the fire for him only because, you know, he really has been a – an outcast. But when you look to see where he was in those younger years to where he is now, the game just slows down for you. And right now, you can see golf right now, he's going through his reads, and everybody just like, wow, didn't realize it that he was capable of being this particular quarterback, but he was that quarterback. And now you put the tools around him, and it's just really good to see him flourishing. And it really felt like everything is lifted off his shoulder because he was finally able to get, not to say finally able to get over to him, but when you beat your former team in a manner and sending them home, man, you know he has, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Clearly. We are uh, talking with Charlie Batch, former Lions and Steelers quarterback, ahead of this weekend's AFC and NFC championship games. You played for a fantastic coach in Mike Tomlin. And if my time's right, you might have played for Cower also in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, I played five years with Cower, six with Tomlin. I mean, that's two Hall of Famers. I don't yes. know if Cower's in yet. I, I think, think Tomlin's there, getting though. there. Um, what is it? Yeah, Cower, Cower was in with the uh, with that um, ex- extended group, so he did get in a yeah. couple years ago. Oh, the COVID year. Okay, gotcha. Um, with playing for coaches like that, what do you learn as a player? 
Well, for me, um, I, I've grown up here in Pittsburgh and being a fan of Cower when he got uh, hired back in 91, 92, you know, you, you, you're essentially growing up a fan. And you're like, man, hopefully, you know, get an opportunity to play. And I think the closer I got to that realization, you know, it was 1998 when I got drafted by the Lions. And I just remember, you know, had saying to, to Coach Cower when I had the opportunity to meet him because they weren't looking for a quarterback at that particular year. I said, if I ever had an opportunity to present itself and play for you, I would. And lo and behold, it happened in 2002. So I had a chance to really play with him at his later stages, right? A lot more calmer. You didn't see the chin on everything that you see on TV. <laughs> he didn't do that during the course of the week. He did that right in his early years, but not at the time that I got there. So when you kind of get there, you grow, you know, you build a friendship, but also an admiration for him, knowing that he was trying to get over the hump to get to his first Super Bowl. And to be part of that and doing something during that year that or during that time that not, never has been done, meaning six seed going on the road and going out there to win that championship, to do, be able to do that and hoist that Lombardi trophy with him, man, it was fantastic. And you could see, you know, him getting ready to be phased out into his next phase. And then as we roll into Tomlin, it's a new coach. And everything that Coward did, Tomlin essentially did different. So, of course, the veterans around are all ticked off. We're like, well, we were pretty good before you got here, coach. You don't have to change everything. But it was just a matter of him putting his stamp on, hey, this is the way that I do things, and you're just now following this young coach. But because we were such a veteran team, we were able to police that locker room. So a lot of the things never got up to him because we were able to control everything within to just to allow Coach Tomlin to coach. That, that's something that you said. I know we talk about all these new coaches. Coaches are possibly getting hired. A lot of Ben Johnson is getting a lot of talk here in D.C. But I always talk about coaches having players help them lead their team. And I think that's when it normally works because now the players feel a little ownership and they're not going to let stuff mess up. When you were around your coaches, like a Tomlin and a Coward, did you notice that level that was consistent in both of them? Yeah, a lot of them allowed their players to be boisterous and take control of the team because they want they wanted them to have ownership of it. And Coward did a great job of that. And you had your Joey Porters of the world, your Jerome Bettis's, Ham Ward, you know. So you had these veteran guys, the James Farriers of the world. These guys were, you know, they were the the leaders of the room. We followed those guys, and they carried that and really showed these young guys the the way to operate. And by the time that Tomlin got here, Tomlin was 35. I was 32. So here he is three years older <laughs> yeah. than me. And I'm calling, you know, in the building, you're Coach Tomlin. But when I see you out in the bar in the restaurant, you mic to me. You're, <laughs> you're my boss. But, hey, man, that's just the respect that we have. And, you know, he was able to do that. And he was close in age with a lot of the guys. So if guys weren't feeling it, whether, hey, man, guys are a little tired today, Coach, you might want to take it easy on them. Maybe we have a high-speed walkthrough. You know, but it, by the time the snap of the ball, everybody, you know, you run everything normal. And by, by the time the snap of the ball hits, hey, we're going to go through walkthrough tempo, getting everything you need from the neck up, but also getting the work that you need done in the actual field. And that was something that Tomlin always listened to his players, but also respectfully everybody knew he was the guy leading the charge and we were going to do everything in our power to help him get over the hump and we were able to win a championship with him in 2008 that's cool man uh yeah. i mean how cool must it have been to work to play for both those guys and just the similarities and differences yeah, you, didn't, you didn't play for a lot of sucky coaches <laughs> who'd you have in detroit <laughs> remember he started Wait, in detroit. Detroit. Saying, uh, okay, well, you count you count detroit b once you got to pittsburgh you were good who who'd you play there were, for there were a lot of there were a lot of different there were a lot of different moving pieces right so when i got to detroit you know, we had Bobby Ross, then Bobby Ross ended up uh, taking over. He retired in the middle of the year in 2000. We had Gary Moeller, then we had Mark, uh, Marty Morningweg. But then I had four different coordinators that went along with this. So there was a lot of, lot wow. of different – it's a re- 
revolving door. So there were a lot of different moving pieces, not to mention even the general managers who were coming in. So, But the one thing that was consistent in Detroit was a guy by the name of Kevin Colbert. He was kind of like the second, third in charge. And he was a guy that ultimately brought everybody back together. He was you know, very responsible for helping them get to eight and eight, nine, nine and seven at one point. And then ultimately he – became the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were very similar to what Detroit was going through. Eight and eight, couldn't get over the hump. That was very what – the, what the Steelers were doing at that time, he added a few pieces in there. And that first championship team that we had in 2005, there were six players that were former Lions that uh, Kevin Colbert picked and brought over to the Steelers that we were all part of that team. So it was really cool to kind of see the Detroit and Pittsburgh connection allowing us to get to where we wanted to get to, and that was being world champions. Charlie, you played 15 years, and like I'm sure you know what kind of tactics got to you and what kind of tactics rubbed you the wrong way. Uh, there's a possibility that Washington could draft a guy at number two. What type of coach you think he will need, and what should he be looking forward to? Man, I think I think ultimately you got to do. You have your quarterback on a roster, and I think based off everything that I'm kind of reading, you know, that, that's up in the air. That's for question. So if they do make that particular move, you got to now bring in a coordinator that understands how to work to his strengths and being able to elevate him. And that just takes a lot of time because if you're picked that high, the day and age that we used to have back in the day where coaches had, you know, two or three years to kind of work with guys, to, you know, and you're buying yourself time, that's not necessarily the case. Uh-huh. Guys want to see your quarterback in year one, and you better be able to take the next step in year two. And if not, they're now looking for the next guy. So they have to yeah. make sure that that marriage is going to work within. Charlie, thank you very much for appreciate your time, you, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Hi, man. Take All care. Right. That is Charlie Batch, former Lions and Steelers quarterback. Sharp dude, man. I really enjoyed that conversation. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.